I pray really quick before we get started? Is that okay? Not okay with this side? Okay? All right. God, um, we come before you once again, and at this time, Lord, I just pray for strength. Um, give me the strength to deliver this message in the same way that you gave it uh, to us, Lord. And I pray that there's fertile ground in this place and that we're able to receive all of us, my, including myself, what you want to deliver to your people today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just want to take a moment and thank the church for uh, your continued prayer. And we weren't here last weekend. Um, can I change this mic? It feels it's coming in and out. Two, one, two, one, two. This is better. Um, we were here last weekend. My um, my sister was in the hospital in Orlando, and um, God is perfect in all of His ways because we were in Orlando, and uh, we were scheduled to be here for the English service, um, but uh, we received the call that she uh, she had an emergency in Dallas Airport. Um, she had a health scare. And uh, the question was either to leave her in Dallas and figure it out over there, or just to for her to get catch the flight and you know have 911 just bring her to the hospital once she landed. So the Lord worked and she was able to get to the hospital. So instead of coming here last Sunday, we went directly to be with her. So, but I know many of you prayed and many of you reached out. So I I want to thank you for that. She's already home and. Also, we want to thank you. Yesterday, um, I lost my grandfather, and um, everyone uh, has been so supportive in prayer. And um, somebody asked me today in, in, in between services, like, what are you doing here? Like, after these past couple of weeks, and I'm like, listen, if it wasn't for the Lord, I'd lose my mind. And I need to, you healing when you do the thing that you need to do. The thing that you need, when you do it in service to others, that's when your true healing comes. And I was telling the Lord, I need to do what the assignment is, irregardless of what I'm feeling or the pain I may be going through, because you, you deserve the glory. You deserve my worship. It will be selfish for me not to deliver what you've given to me because I'm in my feelings. And I just, I'm, I'm not sharing this to say I'm the strongest person in the world because I'm not. <laughs> I'm just sharing you, I'm sharing this with you because God is holy. God is perfect in all of his ways. And if we preach from an altar that he is in control of everything, when real life happens, that's where we got to show that he's truly in control. Because one thing is for me to preach it every Sunday. And one thing is when reality, I crumble. And I go and hide. You acknowledge him, but you give him glory because he's in control. And I am, I'm not here with any type of pain or sorrow. I'm here joyful because I get to be with you. And I get to worship the Lord together with you. And I, and I get to deliver this word that I believe is life-changing for us. And if you've been here over the past few weeks, you guys know that we're in the middle. Well, actually, we're wrapping up our series, Wake. Uh four powerful messages uh i know that the first sunday pastor marianne spoke about confessing any known sin 
In week two, Pastor Tracy spoke about practicing instant obedience. It was Father's Day. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Last Sunday, I wasn't here, but I heard the message. It was a powerful message by, by Pastor Rob publicly confessing Jesus. Y'all remember that? That was last week. <laughs> and this week, we're going to talk about removing doubtful things. See, the heart of this series is that we believe that more than ever, this world needs the move of God. If, if you're breathing and if you have eyesight, you can tell that the world is crumbling. People are broken. And, and I was sharing this morning that there's a contradiction because there are more churches than ever. People are launching more campuses, right? Every day I get on Twitter and one of my pastor friends is launching a church. Every day someone's launching. Oh, I'm getting ready to launch. I'm getting, there's people that left this church to launch. But everybody's launching. So praise God for that. But how is that not translating into society? Does that make... It, it seems to me it's a contradiction. Like, for example, if you were to tell me is that there are more gyms, right, around your neighborhood, I would assume that there are more people that are healthy. Right? If they're opening up more branches and more branches... That doesn't seem to be the case. And what's happening with church is that there are a lot of numbers, but there's not enough power. See, numbers don't equate to power. More campuses don't equate to the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the only thing that can transform a human being, the only thing that can redeem you, the only thing that can bring real change, that you can make a 180, is not the lights, it's not the sound, it's not the connection cards, it's not the video, it's not the social media, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, Marianne and I, we ask ourselves the same question every day. And we've been asking this question like for the past, like what, 21, 24 days? The same question we've been asking ourselves every morning. It's like, at some point we're like, man, there's more. There's something that we call holy discontent. It's like you're you're not ungrateful, but you're like, man, we believe there's more. The Bible says that greater things than this you will do in my name. And I believe that I'm yet to see those greater things. Am I speaking to someone today? And I believe that more than ever, we need a move. We need a move of God in our generation. We need a move of God in our marriages. There are more churches, but, but there's more divorces. There are more churches and there's more brokenness. There's more churches and there, there are more marriage counselors than ever. I told, I told, I don't know if I said to the church, I probably did. We are medicating the things that we used to cast out before. Now, people are going to the hospital for things that were rebuked. If you read the book of Acts, you let me know when you see a psychologist there. You let me know when you see a family therapist. And I pray for them. If there's any psychologists in the room, I'm not talking against your profession or if you're listening through the internet. I am not. We believe that we need in the body of Christ because this time merits it. But all those things are additives to the main thing. It, it can never supplant the main thing. The main thing is the power 
of the Holy Spirit living in you, transforming your life. See, the power of the Holy Spirit are not the goosebumps that we get. It's not the little tears that we shed during worship or singing. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain. The power of the Holy Spirit is that your life makes a 180 turn and that you are never the same. And if you're never the same, your marriage is never the same. And if you're never the same, your family is never the same. And if your family is never the same, your community, your church, see, it's a ripple effect, but there needs to be change. One of the things I'm a firm believer is that if the Holy Spirit lives in you, there should be tangible signs that you're being molded. We're all in the, in the process. We're all in the, in the spectrum of progress. God is working in all of us, but there needs to be some tangible signs that God is doing something in your life. Amen? See, I believe that you should come as you are, but I believe that God doesn't want to leave you as you are. I was saying this morning, the church is a hospital, not a hospice. When you go to the hospital to get healed, see, become church being a hospital for you to get better, not for you to stay where you are. And I think that many times we confuse things and we get into this routine. And I was saying this morning, the, the, the Bible is one. We can't add any more verses. We can't, the Bible is just the Bible. It's already written out. An awakening, a, a spiritual awakening comes with discipline. For you to discipline yourself in your spiritual walk. And I believe, and we believe that God has greater things for you than the things that you've lived up to this moment. I believe that you are not a mistake. I believe that you are not a coincidence. I don't care how you got onto this world. You made it because God says that you are fearfully, you are wonderfully made. He crafted you before you landed in your mother's womb. You are not a mistake. And if you're here, it's because there's a purpose for you to carry out that's going to live beyond your years. And I was asking myself, how much time do I spend on things that are earthly and how much time do I spend on things that are kingdom-minded? How much, how many of my conversations are around kingdom building? And how many of my conversations are around just stuff? I preached a message a few weeks ago and I talked about making the little things little and making the big things big and sometimes we just need to take a step back and reprioritize our things. Hey, for all me, be a good dad, but teach your kids to love the house of the Lord. For all means, do the soccer, do the baseball, do all that, but they're not going to remember that in eternity. <laughs> Get your kids saved. <laughs> Get your kids saved. And I'm all for it. Hey, my, 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 all my, my, my two oldest, they play sports, and I'm all for that. But they know that. Our number one priority is to make a men of God. Everything else is a plus. We love the house of the Lord. It has nothing to do with our assignment, but this comes first. This comes first. The love for this house, the love for his things come first. And I believe that as we enter into a spiritual awakening, there's some things that we need to remove. And one of those things is the doubt, which leads me to my next slide. 
We need to remove the doubtful things to rise to greater things. There are things in our lives that the Holy Spirit nudges at us that tells us, hey, Will, this is not convenient for you. This scenario right here is not the best for you. This friendship, this telephone number, this internet access, you, you keep going back to that because you haven't removed it. See, we keep it in a closet, right? But that's our hiding space once we're starting to feel a certain way, but we don't throw it away. See, you change the number, you change the name on the, on the, on the phone, right? But you don't, you don't delete the phone number. I know I'm speaking to somebody today. Don't look to the left or to the right if you're married. We need to remove the doubtful things. And if our goal, if our goal is to be more like Christ, anything that stops us or gets in the way doesn't fit. See, I use the analogy, if, if, if you're driving on 90, uh, if you're going to Orlando, you can't get on I-95 South. It doesn't matter how fast you drive. It doesn't matter if your tank is full. It doesn't matter if you're on the, 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 the Sun Pass lane, you're not going to make it to Orlando because you're going on I-95 South. See, I tell people, there's people, hey, listen, if you're not going to where I'm going, we have very little in common. And I think that we keep people around out of convenience. People that we've known for a long time. So it's like, there's, I get it, dudes, I get it. There's this personal attachment. He saw me or she knows me. And, but we don't know that that's becoming a hindrance. And where you're going, they're not going. See, and when you carry all that weight, there's, it's impossible for you to get there. We're not going to the same place. You need to get off my car. So we need to remove those doubtful things. And God wants us to establish parameters. Let me teach for a moment. Draw, God, I'm sorry, God draws the line in sin. That's where he draws the line. It's like, listen, this is sin, right? We need to draw the line at temptation. The thing is that if you place yourself in a position to make a decision once you're faced with sin, it's going to be very difficult for you to say no. You need to start drawing lines before. See, my next slide says that the secret from moving, from the secret of moving, sorry, from spiritually strong, from spiritually struggling to spiritually strong is drawing the line in temptation. So what you do is that if this is sin right here. I can't dabble here all my life. Because one day the wind is going to come, or one day I'm going to look to the side, and I'm going to lose my balance and fall. Amen? So where do I draw the line? I draw the line right here. See, for example, I tell people, if you, if you deal with alcohol, don't apply to be a bartender. See, your prayer is, shouldn't be, God, I need to get out of debt. What you should be doing is cutting off that credit card. See, your prayer is, God, shouldn't be, oh, God, uh, free me from porn. You're, you're, you have to draw the line of having no internet. 
See, we need to draw the line at temptation because what did, what, did, what did Jesus tell his disciples when he said, pray like this? He said, and free us, lead us not, or free us, lead us not into temptation because that's, listen, I tell you guys all the time and I teach my kids this. My kids know the answer to the question or this is my hope. We're praying and we're teaching them the answer to the question before they get asked the question. If you need to figure out the question, the answer once the question is asked, most likely, it's like when you guys were taking a test, right? I don't know if you did that, but I looked at the test and I went through all the ones I knew and I answered those first and then I guessed the others. But that's what you do. We need to start drawing some lines and the lines that, see, it works differently for everyone. See, there's people that struggle with dreams, with things in like the dark. Hey, listen, if you need to draw the line at not watching certain kinds of movies, that's where you draw the line. Are you sinning by watching those movies? Maybe not, but to you, it's just a door that's gonna lead you to something else. If I know that a door for me is it because I struggle with the opposite sex, I need to start drawing the lines that if I'm going to text you, I'm going to group text you with my wife. See, we need to start setting boundaries to where you, you struggle. And everybody struggles with something different. We all have things that we struggle. Hey, listen, I, you, no one, everyone has a struggle. What we can't do is allow the moment to make the decision to arrive without having the answer and without drawing lines. And when we start drawing lines, now you become more aware of what scenarios you shouldn't get yourself into. About three or four years ago, I wanna say, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, my wife and I were going through a very difficult financial situation. Very difficult to the point that we, we laugh about this all the time. We didn't eat out for about two years. I'm talking about maybe dollar menu. Maybe. You know where we drew the line? When we were leaving church every Sunday, we already knew what to tell people when they invited us to eat. We knew the answer before the temptation kicked. We had a plan that we know in order for us to survive in this season of our lives, we need to cut that off. So I don't need to place myself in the position with everyone that where we're going. No, I'm already in my car. God bless you. I love you. And I'll see you next Sunday. And I think some of us, unconsciously, we believe that we're stronger than what we really are. And we feel that we can navigate in all waters not knowing that we start drowning and we're like, oh, what happened? You happened. You got yourself in the position that you know, you can't, see, you gotta know what things to cut off. Some of us need a restricted internet. Some of us need to log off forever from social media. Delete it, get off of it, please. Do yourself a favor and all of us a favor. No, let me stop. Forever, like, because what's happening is that once you 
start viewing things, it starts working here. Now you believe that your life is the worst and you believe that God passed over you and you believe that you have the wrong card and, and that God didn't bless you enough like he's blessing that marriage and now you start questioning your husband because oh my gosh, she's so happy. And little did you know that before that picture, she was about to divorce him, but you don't know all of that. Trust me, I sit with people all the time. <laughs> don't be the hype, trust me, I just can't talk. <laughs> I have a what? A thing of confidentiality that I can't break. So some of us need to start drawing the line. Does that, does that make sense to you? Is that, is that making sense? Not at the sin. I'm not saying some things are sin. What I'm saying is that those things are provoking me to sin. So I stay away from them because if I stay away from them, I can get spiritually stronger. And the key from moving from spiritually struggling to spiritually strong is you know which lines you draw. And I shared this this morning, and she was here, and I'm going to share it because she was here. My secretary could be my mom. She's in her 60s, is she? Could I use a younger secretary? Yeah. But I know where to draw the line of temptation. I know that you walk into my office and I'm with my secretary alone. Oh, oh you, you probably think, oh, she's probably feeding him. <laughs> she could be my mom. You need to know where to put the line. And I think that we struggle. We struggle because we don't know how to eliminate things. And once the thing shows up, we don't know what decision to make. It, it applies to everything. It applies to debt. It applies to language. It, apply, it applies to giving, to tithing. See, when my check hits my account, I don't look to the right. I don't look to the left. The first thing I send is my tithe. Because if I start thinking about things I need to pay, it doesn't matter that I'm the pastor. I'm like, I need this money. The Lord, the good Lord knows that I need to pay that school. But I... I, I draw the line at 12.01 a.m. when that direct deposit hits, it, it leaves automatically. Because I know that I can't allow myself. Is that, is that, is that making sense to anyone in the room? Is, we need to, my next slide, we need to eliminate, remove the lesser things to rise to greater things. We need to, next slide, we need to trade the lesser things. And I said this morning, I put in an analogy. If someone comes in, hey, Stephanie, did you hear what they said about you? Your answer should be no. But can you tell me which book of the Bible are you reading? <laughs> hey, you want, hey, Pastor Will, I, you want to know what I heard about you? No, but what devotional are you reading? What's the Lord saying to you? You trade the lesser things because now you're at a different level. You're looking for the greater things. You're looking for a spiritual awakening. That's why it's important who's in your circle. What kind of conversations are you having? Are you having kingdom talk? Or are you ha having just... And I know that, man, this is so hard. Because there are so many attachments that we have, not only to people, but to things, to patterns. And it's hard to break with them. But I know that all of us in this room, we want the best that God has for us. 
If you believe that, say amen. If you believe, I want everything he has for me. I don't want, I don't want him to hold anything back. Everything he has prepared for me, I want that. But I need to make space for that. And the way I make space is by trading the lesser things to rise to greater things. In the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 44, the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven, like treasure, sorry, hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Let me give you some context. So in ancient times, especially with the people of when there was a kingdom taking over another one, they'll come and they'll ransack, that's the right word, they'll ransack all their riches. So they'll take everything. They'll take their women, they'll take their money, they'll take their gold, they'll take their cattle. So the, the Israelites got smart. They were like, okay, hold on. Everyone comes and they beat us up and they take anything. We gotta get smart. There were no banks. There were no like uh, safety deposit boxes. So you know what they did? They started to hide their treasures in the ground. So they were like, you know what? We're going to get smart. So if we got a pot of gold, you know what? We're going to make a hole right here. We're going to hide it. And when they come, they were like, take everything you want. And like, what's the gold? We don't have any. So they got smart with that. So they were like, ah, this man, he's like doing some digging. The Bible says that it's like a treasure hidden in the field. He found it. And when he found it, you know what he did? He hid it again. He said, I, I struck gold. The Bible says that he went back and he sold everything that he had. So he came back and he said, how much you want for the entire land? They were like, what do you mean? Uh, give me the whole field. And they were like, but there's nothing on this field. Like, no, there's absolutely nothing on this field. I still want it. Because he knew. He traded, he traded the lesser things because he wanted to rise to the greater things. And I think that many of us have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and we've been able to find that treasure that's hidden in the field, but we leave because we're too in love what we left behind. We don't have enough strength to go back and sell it and say, hey, listen, I, I, I'm a sell addiction, I'm a sell friendships I'm gonna sell some binds that I have because I found this so we go back and I think that we have a lot of things that we need to remove a lot of things personally as a church but if there's one thing this is my next slide is that we need to remove prayerlessness I preached a message a long time ago that I said little prayer little power big prayer Big power. Prayer is the source of our power. If you're feeling spiritually weak, check your prayer life. If you feel like, oh, man, I don't have the end, check your prayer life. Check the engine. When you feel weak, check your, 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 your um, tablero, check your, your, the front of your car. Check your dash for thank you. And I bet you that check engine light is on. How's your prayer life? And I think that many times we expect someone else to do the praying for us. 
and for all means, people, hey, listen, are you, can you pray for me? Yeah, I do that all the time. But I think the, the, the text or the conversation should go, can you pray with me? As opposed, can you pray for me? Can you help me pray? And we need to remove prayerlessness. And in the book of Matthew, there's an interesting story. How many of you know Peter or have heard about Peter? Peter's a very famous guy. In the next verse, Jesus is about to die. Y'all still with me? So Peter's about to die. Oh, no, not Peter, Jesus. Jesus is about to die, and Jesus is counting his last days, and he's like, hey, listen, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. You guys are not going to be alone. This is my command. I came to die for you. Just follow my command. Shepherd my sheep. And the Lord is telling them that all the things that are going to happen. And he says, Peter, you're going to deny me. Some of you are going to deny me. And this is where we pick up the story. And Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered. In other words, you don't know what you're talking about. This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Peter had a rebuttal for everything. Even if I have to die with you. Wow, how dramatic. Even if I had to die with you, I will never disown you. And the other disciples said, yeah, whatever Peter said. We're, we're with you. And all the other disciples said, said the same thing. You know what's funny? Look what happens four or five verses later. Jesus leaves. All right, Peter, you're a big dog. You got this. You will never disown me. What would you say? You will die for me? You will die for me. Lord, I give you my life. I give myself away so you can use me. We sang that, right? Use me, Lord. Whatever you ask of me, here I am. We're, we're so dramatic. Whatever you ask of me, I say yes, Lord. Sure. Four or five verses later, Jesus returns to his disciples, and he found them sleepy. <laughs> the guy that said, I will never let you down. I'll, I'm a ride or die with you. You're my, we're ride or die. Yeah? Jesus returned, and he found his disciples sleeping, and he gave him a clap back. And he said, couldn't you men keep watch, in other words, a prayer night, with me for one hour? Then he looked at Peter. He asked Peter, because <laughs> you're the one with the big mouth. So I'm asking you the question. You said that you will die for me. You said you will give yourself and your life for me. But I placed you in situations to bless other people, and I don't see that. I placed you in situations to publicly confess your faith to others, and I'm not seeing that. But you told me a few Sundays ago, <laughs> here I am, Lord. I, use me. I'll die for my Jesus. What happened? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into, well, there's that word again, temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Next slide. Prayerlessness is a declaration of independence to God. When you live a life 
that is lacking prayer, what you're telling the Lord is, I can do it without you. I don't depend on you, so I'm declaring my independence on you, so I don't need prayer. That's what essentially we're doing when we're saying, hey, listen, you know that prayer thing, it doesn't work for me. What we're doing, what we're saying is I have enough strength. I can handle it. I got this. This is a declaration of independence. That's why we get weak. There's no source. The Bible says that Jesus told the disciples, I am divine and you are. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And yet, all of us, we get on this high horse and feel so strong and mighty and we believe that we can do it on our own. And prayer becomes the active thing. You know what my dad calls them? Crisis Christians. You know what are crisis Christians? People that only pray when they're in crisis. People that only come to church when they're in crisis. Crisis Christians. CCs. He, he tells me, Will, do you have any CCs? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, Cristiano en crisis. Like, what do you mean? No, que nada más en crisis oran. What we're saying is, oh, those only pray when they're in crisis. I'm like, dang, some faces came to mind, but I'm let me pray for them in the name of Jesus. So prayer becomes reactive as opposed to our first method of defense. So we live a life that is prayerlessness is a declaration of independence to God. And this is, this is what happens at the end of that chapter, just to wrap up that story. G, so people come to Peter and they're like, hey, I know you. You look like him. He was so much around Jesus that he walked like him, like he spoke like him. So people were able to tell him apart. They were like, oh, there's something different about you. And they were like, hey, here it is, everyone. This is one of Jesus' dudes. Man, he found himself in that position. And the Bible says, the man began to curse. Are y'all reading what I'm reading? He began to call down curses. In other words, beep, beep, he was cursing. I will never leave you. I will die with you if I have to die with you. Not even a chapter passes. It was like, don't you associate me to that beep, 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 beep. I'm not part of that beep, beep. That's what the Bible says. Am I in the book? He began to fall down curses. And he swore to them. I swear to you. I don't know this man. What? How can you go from never and I will die to, hey, Will, I, I, I see that you're going to church, man. You, you, no, dude, nah, nah. I went because my girlfriend took me. Nah, don't you put that evil on me. No, no. You know, I just went because they, they were inviting me, but no, no, like, nah, nah. The Bible says that immediately, immediately the rooster crowed verse 75 then peter holy spirit struck him Baka. then peter remembered the word jesus had spoken over his life it happens to us sometimes right we make a bad decision and then you really will that's what you're gonna say you forgot do i need to remind you you want to do this the good way or you want me to bring you 
Jesus has spoken, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And then he went outside. And he didn't even cry. The Bible says that he wept. He wept. He was so ashamed because I didn't back up my talk. I didn't just all talk. I will die with you, Jesus. I will never disown you. And the rooster crowed and he went outside and he wept bitterly, which leads me to my, I'll keep it to this last slide right here. Peter was powerless because he was prayerless. Y'all remember what happened when they went to pray? He fell asleep. He was, that, that extra little thing that he needed to back up the words he had said, he fell asleep. He couldn't, he was prayerless, so he was powerless. And as we pray for this awakening, and we're believing God for an awakening, amen. We believe in God because I know that we haven't seen the entirety of what God can do. I believe that there's so much potential, not the world definition of potential, but God's potential over your life that you haven't tapped into. So much that you have to give for the kingdom and you're caught up with things that are not gonna matter in eternity. If you look at your agenda, how many things that are on your agenda right now will have repercussion in eternity? How many things in your agenda will outlive you? See, I want that the day that the Lord calls me to be with him, I want people to look at my kids and say, hey amen, those are Will and Mary Ann's kids. I want people to say, yo, I got saved by a word that that pastor that died, I got saved by a word he gave. Man, you know, there was a worship encounter that I went to and, you know, God used them. I want, I want the things that I did for the Lord to outlive my days. Are you living for legacy in the kingdom? Things that are going to outlive you, are you, think about, are you thinking about the next hustle? The next paycheck. Ah, I'm grinding. Stay on my grind. Every day I'm hustling, yeah. And the Lord is like, seek first the kingdom of heaven and justice, the Bible says, and everything else shall be added. So today, we're going to close in prayer, and I'm delivering this message because I need it just as much as you need it. I am not coming from a, I'm here, you're here, receive this. I'm coming from, God, I need a spiritual awakening. I need to make room for you. My life is cluttered with things that are not going to matter in eternity. Why am I so concerned? about things that are going to stay behind. 
Why am I so concerned for people's approval? People that didn't die for me, that didn't shed their blood for me, that didn't redeem. Why am I so concerned with people's opinion? Well, the only, only one I need to be concerned about in his opinion is my father. That's all who I that's the only person I need to please. My maker. And we're running around in circles. And I speak to a lot of you, and you look tired. You look exhausted. The Bible says that it's like chasing after the wind. Like you're grasping for air. Oh, man, I'm opening up. And I believe in the guys know I believe in entrepreneurship. I believe that you need to move on. But you're ah, hustling and bustling. And you're running on dry. Because you forgot to make the main thing the main thing. The only thing that's going to outlive you was, is what you do for the kingdom. And I don't know about you. I preached this message and I'm receiving it I'm preaching it. But Lord, I need an awakening. I need, to, I need to see you move like I've never seen you. And I've seen some things. I've seen healing. I've seen, I've seen people get up from wheelchairs. I've seen... I've seen cancer being, I've seen things. But Lord, I'm praying for an awakening in practical life application things. An awakening in the marriages of the church. An awakening in the relationship with our parents. An awakening in our community, Lord. An awakening in, in people's uh, sexual identity, Lord. awakening in prayer. Lord, that's my heart's desire to see that my eyes are able to see before I leave this earth to see you move. To see you move like never before. That our communities are transformed. That our kids can actually go outside and play. That I'm not afraid to send my kid to school because they're going to distort what his sexuality is or what, the, what he believes. Father, that's true revival. When you start impacting communities, when you start impacting society, the church needs to lead in these things. We need to get out of our comfort zones and, and lead and set trends and set culture. something that you didn't promise. I'm not getting out of the book. This is what you said in your word that we will see greater things. That in these last days our youth will start seeing some things. Our older people will start seeing some things. That you will deposit your spirit over people. That's what you promised in the book of Joel.
today, Lord, hear your people. I'm going to ask you to be on your feet. Just present yourself to the Lord.